This is an RNZ podcast. Back in 2016, an edgy Aussie TV drama told the story of a political journalist in Canberra who got caught up in a deadly diplomatic dispute with China as she uncovered interlocking conspiracies which put her career and then her life and others at risk. He runs from the Chinese embassy and ends up dead by the lake. Aren't you interested? Something strange is going on here. China and the US have started doing war dances. In the secret city, the story revolved around an Australian citizen protesting about human rights and who was detained in Beijing and then secretly sent back to Australia. And all this was written by an actual Australian political journalist, Channel 9's political editor Chris Yulman. In talking to journalist Louisa Lim on the award-winning Little Red podcast at the time, he insisted that some of the tension in his show had the ring of truth. Several years ago, there was a Chinese diplomat who defected to in Australia, Chen Yongling, and he said that China had a thousand sleeper spies in Australia. I mean, Chris, do you think that is an accurate estimate or is it the case that now, you know, it's really hard to kind of even pin down where spying starts and where kind of interference or influence stops? And I think it's impossible for us to know. I just think that they are incredibly active. And if you believe the words of the head of, of ASIO, Duncan Lewis has said that there are now more spies active in Australia than there were during the Cold War. Heavy stuff, but of course Secret City was just all fiction. However, life imitated art this week a bit and in reverse as two Australian journalists in China returned home in a hurry after an extraordinary diplomatic standoff. The ABC's Bill Bertels, based in Beijing, and Michael Smith from the Australian Financial Review in Shanghai were the last Australian journalists left in China working for foreign media. Unifirmed officers simultaneously visited their homes after midnight on Thursday last week, and both journalists were told they were persons of interest in an investigation into TV presenter Cheng Lei, an Australian who works for a state-owned TV network in Beijing. Now, she's been detained for the past month, suspected of criminal activity endangering China's national security. Bill Bertel spent four days after that encounter with police sheltering in Australia's embassy in Beijing, while Smith took refuge in Australia's Shanghai consulate as diplomats negotiated with Chinese officials to allow them to leave the country. And back home, Bill Bertels told the ABC this. In the end, uh, we had quite a wide-ranging discussion with the police. It touched on things like Australia-China relations. It touched on things like, uh, did you ever report on the Hong Kong national security law? What sort of channels of information did you go to? Um, But it seemed to me uh, the two of us, Mike Smith and myself, were kind of odd people to uh, interview or interrogate if it was really just about that case. Um, So it sort of felt to me like the whole episode was about harassment. Bill Bertels is now relieved to be home, and so is the Australian Financial Review's Michael Smith, and that solves one problem, but it's created another. The ABC's Beijing Bureau opened in 1973, shortly after Australia first normalised relations with Mao Zedong's China. Australian correspondents have since then covered the Tiananmen Square massacre in 1989, the Olympics in 2008, the handover of Hong Kong, and this year, the coronavirus outbreak, all the while reporting the astonishing rise of China as an economic power and trading partner. But now there are no accredited Australian media journalists left in China and China has not issued any new visas for journalists to replace them. And the ABC's news director Gavin Morris says this really matters. 
China, understanding China, the relationship between our two countries is probably the biggest story of our time. And having our people on the ground working with our local team to tell that story is absolutely critical to the ABC. Having brought Bill home, having taken that step backwards just for the time being, uh, we'll get straight back on the front foot and be seeking to put correspondents uh, back there, you know, knowing that we've got some assessments to do around the information that's available to us. And they're not the only ones. In March, Beijing expelled 14 American journalists working at the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. And that was a response to the Trump administration's decision to restrict staff at Chinese state media outlets in the US. And here's what Steve Butler from the US-based Committee to Protect Journalists told the ABC this week. It really seems, as far as journalists go, that the gloves have come off in China. I mean, there's always been a hostile attitude toward the foreign press But for whatever reason, they now seem to be extremely uninhibited in the way they're going after the press. It's not just Australia, but it's the United States. And you have to say that this tactic of uh, denying exit uh, over a a national security investigation really marks a new low. I mean, you could see it continue to a point where there are no foreign correspondents in China. This week, Australia turned up the tension by expelling two academics and two Chinese media executives. So could China end up becoming a news desert for foreign media, and what will be the consequences if it does? New Zealander Anna Fifield, who's soon to head home herself to become editor of the Dominion Post, is the current Washington Post bureau chief in Beijing. Journalists here routinely face harassment and intimidation by uh, authorities and police forces here. I mean, when I head out uh, to do reporting, I expect, and it often happens, I'm surrounded by seven police cars who want to know what I'm doing and, you know, run me out of town, literally. Um, But so that kind of thing has become very commonplace for foreign correspondents working in China. But what Bill Bertels and Mike Smith experienced have been uh, really unprecedented and really shocking to me and other foreign correspondents living in China. Because while we do face this routine harassment, we've never faced this kind of threat before, the threat of detention on very serious charges. So this is clearly an escalation from the Chinese side as a way to make governments take their diplomatic disputes extremely seriously and frankly try to um, to make them bend to China's will. Well, back in March, there was a kind of retaliation, uh, if that's the right word, when uh, the Trump administration uh, limited the number of employees of, of Chinese state media in the US. Uh, there was a response which meant that uh, staff from uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times and your own Washington Post, I think, were well, I don't know if expel is too strong a word, but yeah, that certainly happened, didn't it, as a diplomatic response? Expelled is definitely not too strong a word. They were given five days to leave the country, many of them after having lived here for years and years. Uh, and this was part of this tit-for-tat between China and the U.S. Uh, previously, before this, China had expelled three Wall Street Journal reporters over a headline on an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal that none of these reporters had anything to do with. So we're really locked in this downward spiral there where yeah, China expelled some journalists, America expels some journalists, and, and that's still going on now. So there are uh, the, all the Chinese state media reporters in the United States, there's about 100 of them, are currently on a kind of pro forma visa extension, which uh, is due to run out, expire on November the 6th. 
just after the American election. So now we're seeing a lot of uh, journalists for American organizations who are not American nationals. So there's a, a British correspondent for the Wall Street Journal, uh, also a CNN correspondent. They have not had their press cards renewed. We need press cards to operate in China, which are issued by the government. Uh, but they have instead been given these letters extending their press cards without having formally new press cards. So this is all part of this pressure campaign to threaten the United States that even more American journalists will be kicked out uh, if the Chinese journalists are kicked out of the US. Recently there was an address to the Australian National Press Club by um, a Chinese embassy official, Wang Jining, in Australia. He talked about China having hurt feelings because of Australia's demand or push for uh, an inquiry into uh, the coronavirus. How much is this really about China's um, nervousness or anxiety about free and frank reporting of, of Western journalists, you know, and the friction that causes? And how much is it just diplomatic aggro between China and other Western countries? In a way, it's a two for one, but definitely, I mean, the Chinese authorities do not like the foreign press that they're getting these days, that, you know, we have this pesky habit of telling a different story from the one that the Chinese government wants told. Anything that doesn't fit with their idea of this, of China as a rising, responsible global power is the kind of stuff they want to quash. But they had traditionally done that just by making our work extremely difficult here, by, you know, surveilling us, by trailing us, by obstructing us, and just doing everything they can to stop us being able to report. But it's really taken on a new dimension this year with the diplomatic disputes between uh, the United States and China and now Australia and China, increasingly the UK and China over the UK's um uh, response to what's been happening in Hong Kong this year with the national security law. And so increasingly they are using the journalists as a tool, as a pawn in this broader fight. And it's really, I mean, amped up over the coronavirus because this is obviously something that is that China views as extremely damaging to its efforts to sell itself as a, as a peaceful, responsible global power. Nothing to worry about here um, when the reporting has shown the initial cover-up uh, in Wuhan, the attempts to I mean, yeah, to put politics first over public health. So this is China really trying to control the narrative about about what's happened here. So I suppose if international and diplomatic relations improve uh, over coming months and years, then maybe things will be better for uh, international media and reporting in China. But uh, the Committee to Protect Journalists has been warning this past week that this is the net effect of this is a real thinning out of the ranks of international media reporting China to the world. So, I mean, do you think that from now on uh, the reporting of China just isn't going to be as thorough? And it's, it's not that it won't be as thorough because all the journalists who are expelled are now still doing really great work about uh, China and digging into things and, and have still been able to do it. But, but what's been lost is the kind of granularity of reporting, the texture of, of daily life that comes through when you have foreign correspondents on the ground. So, you know, our job here as foreign correspondents is to show what life is like in China and what's happening in China on the ground for our audiences who are not here. So when you don't have correspondents based here, but you have people 
uh, yeah, phoning analysts or focusing much more on the diplomacy or the kind of outward side of things or relying on Chinese social media, which is extremely heavily censored, you lose a lot of that intimacy with what is happening on the ground in China. And I think that's you know really detrimental to the world's understanding of China, but also to China itself, because, I mean, it means what China's doing, it's shooting itself in the foot. And all of the stories now are going to be about the South China Sea and all the reporting, you know, that people are able to do from the outside about the nefarious things that China's doing around the world. You won't have the kind of stories about what, you know, mums and dads in China want for their kids or, you know, how people are living, the, the humanizing content that, uh, you know, is one of, I mean, for me, my favorite thing about being a foreign correspondent. Although we are focusing now on foreign correspondence, and that is obviously the lens that I look through here, there has been this really dramatic shrinking of space in China for any kind of independent journalists. And we've seen that uh, with Chinese journalists in particular. So over the past few years, in particular since Xi Jinping came to power in 2013, uh, we've seen independent Chinese uh, newspapers and news organizations closed down and constrained. And I mean, there's almost no independent Chinese reporting anymore on what's happening in China. Um, but having said that, some very, very brave Chinese reporters went out during the first outbreak of the coronavirus and did some great reporting on, um, on what had actually happened in Wuhan. The Chinese news consumers' access to journalism has also very dramatically shrunk in recent years so that they you know, they can't access the outside internet really anymore, that all foreign news websites are, and also foreign social media is um, blocked in China. So they're really only getting one source of news, and that's the government's version of events. For the first time in almost 50 years, there won't be any uh, Australian journalists working for Australian media outlets in China, which is sort of extraordinary. But of course, in New Zealand, we haven't had any for years. Um, TBNZ had Charlotte Glennie a few years back set herself up in Hong Kong, I think. Um, that didn't last too long. Um, so when you're back here uh, soon, next month, and editing the Dominion Post and working for stuff, I mean, you're really going to feel this, aren't you, if you would like to be reporting uh, China to people in New Zealand and finding actually there's a bit less to pick from reported by people on the ground? Yeah, it's something I've thought about a lot and something I notice a lot in New Zealand in that, you know, China is so hugely important to us, you know, uh, economically, uh, diplomatically, you know, it is um, really noticeable how little coverage of China we have from a New Zealand perspective. And I think that makes a really big difference. Like, it's not enough to be taking pay, uh, copy into newspapers written by British journalists or BBC feeds from China. Like China, we we approach China in a different way. We have a different uh, different interests in China. So one thing I have been thinking about is how to try to report on China from a much more uh, New Zealand perspective. I hope we I'll be able to find a solution, a, a way to be able to do more of that when I get home. Anna Fifield, soon to head home to become the editor of the Dominion Post, but currently the bureau chief in Beijing for the Washington Post.